Welcome. This is David Barris, president of the American Association of Bank Directors, host of ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast. Today, we have as our guest, Will Taylor, to discuss current and prospective issues affecting your bank's ALCO and investments. This is part four to our four discussions with Will. Will has been the director of the Portfolio Management Group at Vining Sparks. He has extensive knowledge and experience of balance sheet management techniques and investments and has served on the faculty of Southwest School of Banking, Mid-South School of Banking, and the Western Independent Bankers Bond University. Please let me know if you have any follow-up questions by contacting me at dbarris at aabd.org. All right, let's call Will. Hello, Will. Welcome back to ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast. Dave, it's good to be back here, and boy, today's subject matter will be very interesting. Today's subject is a continuation of our last several podcast episodes on current and prospective issues impacting ALCO and investments. And it looks to me uh, as a layman that we're there's a lot of change going on and a lot of uncertainty. So we all have to, and the banks included, have to operate and manage the best we can through these changes, some of which we're not sure will happen. So, but to get back to uh, the recap from last time, you showed how the end of uh, deflation is the devaluation of currency and the warp speed entrance of hyper inflation. And what does that do to our banking system? And I think you mentioned Zimbabwe as as a, an extreme example, hopefully. And what what should we be preparing for as directors? Well, again, it's been great to be on this podcast with you, and I look forward to hopefully having a chance to talk on more of these. But uh, here's where we are. You know, to recap, the end of deflation is uh, brought about by a, a country continuing to mushroom and balloon its overall debt. At some point in time, the uh, the elixir, uh, for uh, being able to issue more or spend more becomes the actual printing of money to spend. Uh, we saw that in Germany in uh, post-World uh, War I. Uh, we've seen it in France during the Bourbons. Uh, we've seen it in Argentina. Every time a government has started and embarked down the road of spending rather than financing, through their central bank, and this is what Thomas Jefferson was the most worried about with Alexander Hamilton, is exactly this problem, is that the government starts to just print money. It was the end of the French uh, who had financed the American Revolution. So from that standpoint, we have to watch for that Federal Reserve Act. If that Federal Reserve Act gets changed and the Fed is able to start spending money, then uh, it will be a very quick uh, movement, I believe, to the to, to the downside in, in terms of hyperinflation, where um, basically uh, our currency becomes so devalued that there will not be a lot of uh, people who will want to hold it. They'd rather have hard assets, and it becomes uh, basically um, an apocalyptic end to economics in the U.S. But uh, one of the examples of that, you know, if you, if you look at how 
Um, interest rates, high interest rates can impact the banking system. Look at the SNLs of the of the 70s and 80s. Uh, one of the things you saw is that they were basically borrowing short, right, with the money market accounts, but they were turning around and lending very long in real estate. And then the short-term interest rates shot up to 21%. You mentioned that in our first podcast. And that short-term interest rate borrowing cost versus where they had invested, say, at 10% or 12% in a real estate deal, they went negative. And that caused basically the collapse of the savings and loan industry. That can actually happen to countries. So that's the thing that we have to be most aware of in a hyperinflation-type world. So the question is, I think this is the ultimate question that you can spend as much time on as you'd like. Um, what should we be preparing for as directors? Uh, how do we use our tools, uh, the uh, asset liability tools that we've had historically and managing, managing this risk for our banks to prepare for this uncertain future? Well, that's exactly what I focus on. Because asset liability is a very good way for banks to make decisions based upon where they are today. Uh, they have policies in place, asset liability policies, liquidity policies, investment policies, that all give them direction about what they can do. They have earnings at risk and economic value of equity uh, calculations that will show them what is taking place in their balance sheet and and uh, in their income as interest rates move around. And for the most part, our community banks are positively gapped. That is, they will perform best. Their assets will reprice very quickly as interest rates move up. So um, a rising rate environment is actually pretty good for banks. The thing that they want to be able to help offset is this net interest margin that is getting squeezed now because so many of their assets are repricing down as interest rates have stayed down and stayed low for a long time period. And I believe they will stay low and long for a time period, and they could even go negative. So being able to get that liquidity out there and into the investment uh, portfolio or in, in, in loans or whatever for uh, a, along this steep yield curve that we have developing now is going to be critical because that's probably what your asset liability system is telling you, is that you need to not be so asset sensitive, that is, have so much liquidity that's repricing or exposed to these low interest rates, and you're, you need to be moving out along this yield curve to take advantage of it. So from an asset liability standpoint, that's what you sit there and talk about. You talk about in the boardroom, okay, what is our asset liability position and what is our risk? Once you understand what your risk is, then you can have a rate bias. You can say, well, I think rates are going to rise, and if they're going to, you think they're going to rise, then okay, you can make a, make a bet to stay in Fed funds. Because as you, I mentioned earlier, if you stay in Fed funds versus foregoing a 125 yield on a 15-year mortgage back, you're basically betting that at the end of three years that Fed funds are going to be close to 3%. So that's the call you're making by staying liquid. Now, if you believe the Fed that controls Fed funds, that interest rates are going to be flat for three years, which is what they've said, then you would want to make a different decision because that's your exposure. Eventually, you do not want to be in a position that you are desperate to increase net interest margin and you cross over to taking risk 
on the loan side of the portfolio. Because banks don't go out of business for poor asset liability decisions in general. They may they do go out of business for bad credit decisions. Excellent point, Will. And uh, I wanted to thank you on behalf of ABD for joining us again. Uh, this has been very, very helpful. And uh, look forward to uh, working with you in the future. Sounds great, Dave.